back for Rogue Table Talks number 105. Episode 105. Episode 105, uh, which is 26 times 5. I know that's not even that. Sorry. <laughs> 21 times 5. Uh, You're the math guy. I don't know. Whatever you say. Some sort of numerology. Uh, We will edit that out. We'll clean up the math. Have some voiceover. (laughs) Get the right mathematical formula. Uh, 2x plus y equals 105. Solve for x in terms of y. So that just kind of give you cold chills. So if you first that was like, I can't. (laughs) She 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 brings me her math, and I'm like, yeah, I can't help you. Yeah, there's letters. I'm at like a sixth grade level right now. You sure this is math? There's letters. <laughs> yeah, bring me English. So let's keep your math to yourself. Right. I want numbers or I want words. I yep. want letters and numbers together. On page. Um, yeah, so uh, 105. Um, and uh, kind of still talking about the loving your neighbor. Um, obviously an important biblical theme. Uh, and we're going to um, sort of explicate, uh, expand on uh, a notion we mentioned a couple times before and recently. It's just, you know, how, what does it mean to live for the good of the city uh, in, the, in terms of Jeremiah 29? Uh, but I kind of wanted to start with, um, you know, you and I have been in Malawi. Yes. And, you know, we lived, you know, lived with, we stayed with, uh some of our missionaries that we they're no longer in Malawi now they're in South South Africa but uh the Spencers uh were there in Malawi and we stayed with them and got a glimpse a bit into their life and uh you know just the manner of of living of people who are ex, you know expatriates who long-term residents in another country working on kingdom stuff that that kind of thing mm-hmm. um so, you know, I was kind of thinking, you know, the parallels and then what, what is that, what would that be like if we were, let's just say in our case, missionaries to Malawi, we lived there uh, and we lived there for years, 10 years. Our family was there, you know, uh, that, you know, our kids are, you know, part of their, all of their child, childhood uh, is in Malawi. Um and, you know, what, because I do think there's a sense in which the Spencers thought of themselves, they thought of Malawi in the sense as home, but they thought of themselves as Americans. Mm-hmm. Uh, like their sense of being Americans didn't, didn't change or go away. Uh, and yet they thought of Malawi as home and they thought of America as sort of a, ultimate home or a true they would go back and they would go back to america for you know furloughs or um you know they had student they had kids who went to school you know high school in america uh and, and yeah, so they would go back to college in america they yeah they weren't native malawi they weren't native malawians right even even though and even the kids weren't native malawians in a sense i mean they were born no, right even though they were born and they lived there, but they were sort of dual. Uh, and ultimately, you know, they're, they, they're, they're Americans. Um, and so, you know, what would that be like? Like that's, that's us. Like you're living in Malawi, your family's in Malawi. It's been there for years. 
um, you would, and you're there to further the kingdom. You're, you know, you're there to raise your family and to live uh, and, you know, have friendships and other stuff that comes with life. But you're there also to further the kingdom uh, of God and working on whatever that might be uh, to, you know, stuff they were involved in or stuff, you know, their kids were involved in is, you know, prison ministry there maybe or, you know, feeding the poor or uh, equipping people, um, training, you know, these sorts of things that you'd be involved in, they were involved in, um, living in that world as a resident, but whose citizenship and, you know, a big part of their identity uh, is elsewhere. Um, I mean, can can you picture yourself there doing that and what that would feel like? Having been, you know, we've been there a couple times, uh, yeah. right? I mean, is there sort of a disorientation about going to a place like that and just sort of seeing an American-ish family in that place doing that? Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, it's uh, it's disorienting for sure to think about. And then when you... you I just imagine you would almost feel split to some degree of this is our life, but we also have this nationality, this origin. Because I think they were, the Spencers probably, when did they go to Malawi? When they were 20s, 30s? Like yeah, 20s Something probably. like that? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So their, their formative years were in uh, America. So you have this dual kind of life of here's this and I think their grandparent or their parents or grandparents and then oh, all of this is back here but then they're living there and trying to make a home for the place um yeah I, I I could imagine the feeling of splitness of like that's why people say you know if you're in the mission field or whatnot like you learn what ultimate home feels like because you know we're as first Peter says, strangers and aliens sojourning through the context of exile, the whole experience on earth is an experience of exile because our home is not as it should be. And we feel like we're in a sense of in captivity because of sin. Um, I'm reminded of, uh, this reminded me of one of the Psalms and I don't have the reference. And, uh, but by the, by the rivers of, of Babylon, we sat down and wept. Mm-hmm. We wept because we were taken captive and the Babylonians said, hey, sing, sing us a song, Israel. Mm-hmm. Why don't you sing one of your songs? And they just sat down and wept because they're not at home anymore and their home's mm-hmm. destroyed and now they're going to be in exile, taken into a new home. That's a little bit of the backdrop for right. somewhere you're going today. Right. Right. Um, because... There's a sense in which, you know, they can be on mission in Babylon. They can accomplish God's purposes in Babylon. But ultimately, they shouldn't be in Babylon. They shouldn't have to be in Babylon. Right. right? They were there because things were broken. Uh, and of course, there's a, you know, there's a corollary sense in which we're here in this broken world because the world is broken, that we're made for, you know, we have, we have, you know, echo of Eden in our heart and we have our destiny of the new heaven and the new earth in front of us and 
there's sort of our true citizenship is in heaven, as Paul says. Um, and yet we're born and we live and we die here in this other place in which we're missionaries and on missions, strangers and aliens. And when we say strangers and aliens, when Peter says that, when we read it, it sounds negative. I mean, it sounds, oh, that sounds bad. Right. And there's a sense in which it is bad because, you know, but for sin, we wouldn't be strangers and aliens and on mission here now. Uh, And yet it's not necessarily, uh, it could be redemptive. I mean, that we're supposed to live redemptively uh, on mission here in this, in this city. And so, um, you know, we can get that wrong in two ways. We can sort of withdraw and cloister and live in our own some culture, or we can completely assimilate, right? Mm-hmm. And, and become indistinguishable, right? Become, in a sense, Babylonians. And so kind of want to explore that a little bit when it comes to loving our neighbor, that we're living in this world as a resident, strangers and aliens, our identity, our citizenship is in heaven, and even though obviously we've never been in heaven, just like somebody who was born in Babylon and lived, you know, lived to adulthood or old age in Babylon, their citizenship was in Israel, but they've never been there in a sense. And so that's the context of Jeremiah 29. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This is what he says, colon, build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. And pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. So that's what, uh, that's what he's saying. Live there what, live there well, you know, be, be there. Don't sit there waiting for something. You're there. Mary, uh, you know, give your sons and daughters in as in marriage, you know, work for the good of the city. Uh, that's part of what I want you to do because the welfare of the city where the place is, is your welfare as well. Um, and it, the alternatives to that, like I said, is a bit of what we, I think we often experience. We're pulled in the direction of, and when we talk about living in this culture, in this society, in this world now, kind of, kind of use an us and them sort of dynamic. Like we take the strangers and aliens verbiage and we meet and we kind of turn it into a us versus them, us opposed to them to take biblical concepts like strangers and aliens or remain unstained by the world and make them justify just sort of a separate existence, a separate yeah. subculture, right? Yeah. Um, is, so I guess, A, do you see that, agree with it? And then you know, like what, what, what legitimate and illegitimate um, motivations are kind of wrapped up in that? Well, I think, I think first I hear in this like two two echoes uh, from the Old Testament in this Jeremiah passage. One of them 
the cultural mandate to increase and uh, multiply uh, and similarly the promise to Abraham which is to increase and have children and become this nation that God will promise to bless them and then to be a blessing so if you kind of run with that theme as the positive way to say it there's really no room for either withdrawal and isolation from the culture and there's no room for assimilation into the culture because how can you be a blessing if you're not in relationship and in business and in commerce and being in the midst of the quote-unquote city or suburb with the people and how can you be a blessing if you're so in it that you're not any different from it i i mm-hmm. just so so for me the positive you know impetus is we've been called out to be a blessing um to those that we live around and the city and the, the wherever we may live we are supposed to carry that and so i i understand um you know, I, I don't remember how you phrased it, but I understand the legitimate, okay, well, we don't want to assimilate. Mm-hmm. Okay, right. so right. we don't want to assimilate, and we right. don't quite know, like being counterculture is challenging. Let's acknowledge right. that. It's difficult. Right. We don't want to assimilate. The Bible says, you know, don't be friends with the world. Um so we take things like that and we say, look, we therefore, and, and church means the called out ones or the, the separate ones, the uh, consecrated. So we're going to, we're going to be completely separate. Um, we're going to have our own music. We're going to have our own movies. We're going to have mm-hmm. our own fill in the blank comedians. Right. right. We're literally right. going to create a subculture. They may not be right. good, but we're going to create a right. subculture. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's or, safe. Right. Because it's safe, um, or maybe even the similar motivation. We don't want to be so like withdrawn, and we don't want to be like that. So we become so assimilated. Yeah, um, right. that may be another way to play it safe as well. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think there's fear in that. Um, probably fear on both sides. Maybe a little indulgence in the one. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so you've got, I mean, you see that in the New Testament, there's, you know, there's pa- patterns and parallels of, you know, be salt, be light, which means be engaged and make a difference. Don't, in other words, don't, don't assimilate because you can't be salt and light if you're assimilating. And, um, you know, don't, uh, don't withdraw because you can't effectively be salt and light to people if you've withdrawn from, you know, First Corinthians 5. Um, you know, I told you not to associate with sexually immoral. Of course, I didn't mean people in the world. So there's this balance of um, that, that. Don't assimilate. A, don't withdraw. B, and but uh, what what's fascinating is what comes next in the passage, which speaks to this dynamic, I think, uh, he says basically, seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. And then verse eight, 
For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you, and do not listen to the dreams that they dream, for it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you, and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. So what's going on there, do you think? Well, uh, I haven't done the, the research here. Maybe there's an That's example fine. of what it's the It's fine. Fun. You don't have to tell but me on the research. It's fine. Probably. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So whatever Jeremiah just said to them, <laughs> the, the false prophets are saying the opposite. Yeah. Like right. something. Whether it's uh, this won't last very long. Don't worry about it. Like just wait for it. Or this is... God's not going to rescue you. There's not going to be a fulfillment of seven years, and God's going to take you back. Uh, so, you know, count it, count it lost, become Babylonians. Um, you know, or you know, definitely don't, don't live life here. Yes, right, right. So whatever they're saying, and of course we have other, you know, the other other prophetic books and history where people are, you know, false prophets would be saying you know, things contrary to what the prophets were saying before, you know, relative to idolatry or relative whatever. Um, when the true prophets often had dire things to say, the false prophets would have more, what would be more palatable, I suppose, things mm-hmm. to say Pleasant. about how the people, about how the people were living. Uh, and so there is a sense in which there's always an, you know, there's an audience. <clears throat> we can be an audience for what we want to hear. And there will be people who will be willing to gain that audience by telling us what we want to hear. And so it, it, in this case, it is contra the, uh, I sent you there into exile, live with a purpose, you know, be a blessing. What we just said, that's what God is telling them. And because we're strangers and aliens here telling us as it relates to our part of the story. And there are those who Jeremiah, God is saying through Jeremiah, or those, you know, that he's saying don't listen to who are saying something different from that. Either, yeah, you don't, you know, this is a whatever. This is a bump in the road. Don't worry about it. Uh, God's going to, you know, God's going to ride to our rescue. He won't abandon us here. Blah, 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 blah. You know, just sit tight. Stay in your community you know, whatever, year, two, three, whatever, um, you know, we'll be going back. Um, uh, or, yeah, we've all hope is lost. The promise is over. Uh, you might as well just be a Babylonian, uh, effectively. Uh, and I think there's a dynamic where, and I think, I think the whole, this is a bigger, we could do a whole podcast on, on the appeal of false prophets, but, uh, there's always going to be people who want to believe a false message and want to then preach a false message, mm-hmm. represent a false message because it's easier, more pleasant, more well-received, cheered on, whatever that might be. And that's a dynamic that we probably need to consider. Again, it's probably beyond the scope of this podcast of to what extent do I, what do I want to hear? And what do I not want to hear? And what then, therefore, I want to teach and not want to teach? Um, because 
I would contend that the areas in which we're most vulnerable to assimilation or withdrawal are areas where we're not going to be very, uh, we're not going to notice. We're not going to know. Mm. Like for instance, um, you know, don't, you know, remain unpolluted or by the world that, you know, we we're we're doing something with that, right? We're deciding what that means. Uh, but we, what we don't, where we don't usually go is, uh, hey, don't be materialistic. Mm-hmm. You know, don't make a god out of your career. Uh, don't be so focused on your professional or academic advancement to the exclusion of living on mission. You know, don't make a don't make an idol out of retirement. Don't make an idol out of how you look or. I mean, that's not what we do with it. When that obviously we could very easily be polluted by the world because those are all socially acceptable things. And we'd be not only blind to it, but fine with it. You know what I'm saying? But we don't want someone to tell us that that's unpleasant. Well, since we're on this part of the, you know, uh, this side of the coin. Yeah, we do something with it. And most likely we do something that's pretty manageable for us. Yes. Like whatever that is, whether it's kind of a you know, version of Christianity that I, I don't um, watch certain movies, listen to secular music, like go to certain places, like be around certain people, like those people bring me down. So I, I, I don't want to be polluted with the world. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm imagining, uh, I think one of the greatest, um, I don't know, in, uh, examples of how this goes wrong is the village. Uh, M. Night Shyamalan's The Village. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, it's it's yeah. wanting to create a utopian uh, protected society where we can control evil, essentially, where there there will be no evil in this place yeah. because we will keep it out. And right. then all of a sudden this great tragedy happens in the story right. and you realize, oh, this comes from within. Yeah. Like pollution yeah. from the world comes from within. Right. Yeah. Which is not what we want to hear. We want to believe we can live in the village, you know, partly. Yeah. Uh, or that it's okay to to assimilate. So I think that's sort of the the whole false... It's interesting to me that there were people there who were telling the people what they wanted to hear, which wasn't what God was saying, which was settle in here. Like, in the big picture, God's plan is still active and, and moving. And... Um, all of this is good and going on and I haven't, the promise is still good, but you personally, it's going to be 70 years. So you might live your whole life here. So live purposefully settled, you know, um, that's probably not what they wanted to hear. And there's people, there always be people who will tell us what we want to hear instead of what God is saying. And I think we probably to some degree, that's probably inevitably true that we're just going to do stuff with either the Bible or the sermons that is somewhat self-serving. Uh, I think that's probably somewhat inevitable, but if I'm aware of it, at least I can be on the lookout for it uh, rather than basically completely justifying whatever life I'm living and calling it. That's you know obviously what the Pharisees did. Making rules that I'm already likely to keep. <laughs> like, you know, like, don't see movies... Don't see horror movies, and I don't like horror movies anyway. So, uh, whatever that is, it's you know we're making a manageable, achievable version of that, which is probably wrong. Um, 
And then to, the, to finish this passage, you know, he says, I've sent you into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Live there purposefully. And then he says, it's, you know, it's going to be 70 years. I'll bring you back. The plan's still active. Don't listen to these prophets and diviners who are among you to deceive you. And then he says in this, the, the end of the passage, which might be somewhat surprising uh, to connect what we're talking about to this other pa this passage, which will be more familiar. The end of the passage is, he says, I will bring you back to this place, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. So is that, I mean, that's a familiar passage. Is that the context we usually, in the church, <laughs> just in the greeting card, like, you know? I'm imagining an ancient Israelite uh, being around today at a graduation party and reading the graduation right. party like what? card. It's like, right. so you're going into exile? Your parents are sending you into exile? Right, right. Because... Right. <laughs> This is the context for the plans and blessings is you're going to be in captivity in a foreign land for a long time. So <laughs> I'll right. bless you there, though. Right. And so there's a sense in which that is true of us. We are in exile, mm -hmm. strange mm -hmm. and aliens. The plan isn't over, but the plan is the plan. The plan is we are citizens of heaven. One day we will be restored. One day we'll be back where we ought to be. That's our destiny. And that's, and, you know, don't worry. I haven't abandoned you to American suburbia is what, you know, right? Right. And we're like, abandon me? Oh, this is great. <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> right? Uh, right? And I, that, it doesn't mean, it, you know, God is promising you a, a great career and a good life in suburbia. Now, you might have that, of course. Right. Uh, that might be part of you living on, you know, purpose and so on. And God may bless you in lots of different ways. But that's not what this passage is saying. The passage is saying, even though you're in exile and you have to live in a place that's not your home, don't worry. I haven't abandoned you. The promise isn't dead. Uh, all the promises to the patriarchs, all, you know, the kingdom being restored, all of that, the Messiah coming, that's all, that's all still going to happen. May not, you may not experience it directly. You might have to live out your life in Babylon. And if you're an adult, you know, hearing these words from Jeremiah, probably you will. But don't worry that the promise to your people is still there. And that's the context of this passage, that even though we have to live in a place that isn't really our home and we're called to live missionally and it's sometimes difficult, don't worry. You know, the plan is still in place. Uh, I haven't abandoned you here to to be strangers and exiles forever. That you will come home. Uh, um, I I think it's it's funny that what we do with that, and that's kind of what I mean. There's a bit of a false prophetish greeting card, uh, you know, industry built around that verse that is telling us something we want to hear. Like, oh, God's well, just, basically it, promising me a good life. 
Exactly, because obviously, you know, you're setting out in this new, mostly these are graduation cards, you're setting out in a new chapter in life and a new story, and it's like, you're going to get the grades you need in college, you're going to get into that college, you're going to, after that, God's going to give you that job, and you're going to make this, and yeah, it's like, there is a, there is a falseness to that promise, that people want to say, this is the promise, and then, the danger with that for me is like, well, that, if that doesn't come true, then what? Do and you reject? And it's not going to come true. Probably. Right. Do you reject God? Do you reject faith? Do you, you know, what do you do? Do you become very embittered? Because um, that's not, to me, that's not the promise of blessing that we get from the scriptures is I'm going to give you an easy life. Yeah. And the promise we get is actually way better than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, you know, in the you know, we are eternal beings. We are strangers and exiles. You know, the promise we get, the blessing that awaits, is way better than that. And it just takes faith to sort of you know remember that and to encourage one another. Uh, and our community here, our, our living among our neighbor, should should reflect that in that sense. It should reflect a piece of the kingdom. Um, and so. Uh, you know, I think that's the, you know, working, you said, be a blessing. That's what, you know, that's sort of what he's saying. It echoes what God said to, Ab- you know, Abram, I'm going to make, a bl-. you know, the followers of Abram, which is, we are, you know, children of Abraham through faith, that, you know, we're supposed to be here and be a blessing uh, for others. Uh, and that means just in the world we live in, which means among our physical neighbors and, uh, and so on. And I, I think that seems like a very helpful grid for us to understand our lives. It's just, I think, very countercultural, even in the church, mm-hmm. where uh, it, there's an us and them. There's a sort of easy rule making. There's a, um, I don't know, moralizing, you know, you know, because actually doing that's hard uh, and it's, you know, it's easier to take the easy way out. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think, I do think if we really lived in that story, it would actually feel more purposeful. Like there's a price that's paid. It seems hard, but there's a price that's paid, which is sometimes felt by people who are people in the church who feel directionless, purposeless, powerless mm-hmm. um, or who because life hasn't turned out great feel like God's failed them uh, and you know instead the life of faith calls us to be a blessing to live here and to know that we're actually someday maybe after we're dead going home where we really will live for eternity uh, and that's the promise that should enable us to be a good neighbor uh, so let's leave it there. Yeah, uh, yeah let's uh, let's uh, contemplate then what it means for us going forward to be a blessing and to live on this mission. Uh, and so with that, grace and peace. Thanks for listening to Rogue Table Talks. Like and subscribe if you like and want to subscribe.